You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So the White Sox made an acquisition since last we talked. Uh, you know, big, big news, huge news, a minor league contract. Uh, this is where we're at at this point. I know Scott Merkin, if you subscribe to his newsletter, in his newsletter that he put out this week, Scott Merkin from MLB.com, he, he did talk about the idea that he doesn't believe that they're done and that the moves the White Sox are going to make are going to happen later on in the offseason. But if we are still at this point, when you get to spring training, feel free to be angry. So I thought that was pretty telling. Oh, okay, that's fair, I guess. Like he's like, you know, this is where they're at, and this is how they're spending, and this is what their plan is, and you know, I don't think that they're going to make moves until everything settles. And it's clear the White Sox couldn't be involved in all these big deals. Like they were, ne- they're never going to give somebody all those years and all that money that you see flying around right now with the free agents. Like that's not how Jerry Reinsdorf operates. It, it, it's it's wrong of him not to operate that way. Okay, I mean, man, I wish I had the owner of the Padres as my owner. Wow, would I love to have the general manager of the Padres as my general manager. But we're we're not the Padres, okay? And until there's a different owner in here, we'll never be the Padres, all right? And maybe one day that'll happen, one shining moment on a hill. All of a sudden, there'll be somebody else sitting at that big desk, and that person will actually care about the fans and the team and, and, and actually building a winner instead of the bottom line and lip service and, you know, let's just try to get what we can get in here so we can be profitable every year. I I would love to have it that way. It's not that way. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens here this offseason. But Victor Reyes, as a signing, I wanted to kind of talk about real quick on this show because the first two names that popped into my head were Larry Garcia and Adam Engel. And how does he compare to these two players when I'm trying to figure out what the plan is for the White Sox and is this a guy that increases your chances of winning baseball games, decreases it if he makes the roster coming out of spring training uh, with that minor league contract, is the same kind of player. What exactly is he? And I look at a Victor Reyes, and I see a guy who's got a career OPS of 673, and his OPS in 2022 was 651. So he's he's a below 700 OPS, and that's basically what he is. He's a guy that the the Detroit Tigers thought was going to be really good, and he was never really good. And he never had like a big year. Like Adam Engels had bigger years than Victor Reyes. And, you know, he had a terrible year last year. If you jettison last year Adam Engel, he would be the same as Victor Reyes with his career numbers. Okay. And he's he had a couple of really big seasons in 2020 and 2021 in limited action. I mean, only 36 games in 2020, of course. Everybody had a low amount in 39 and 21. So I'm not making excuses for Angle, but that's how they kind of compare. Larry Garcia, take out last year, and this is Victor Reyes, except Victor Reyes plays the outfield probably better than Larry Garcia. Not much better, though, okay? I mean, he's he's got some negatives in the defensive realm out there. So, I mean, it, this is like a middling deal right here. This is, we got rid of Angle, we brought in Reyes. Reyes may be the fourth outfielder, but don't expect any kind of, like, big bump. And you lose the defensive Angle, even if you gain a little bit little bit more offense, but nothing that's like more than than average. Like he's a below average hitter who's not going to play defense as well as Adam Angle, but he's going to hit a little bit better than what we saw Angle do last year. 
He's a switch hitter. It's a middling move, isn't it? Yeah. Like, is that like something that should make you excited in any way whatsoever? And if this is going to be a guy that they're going to sit there and tell you like, well, you know, and then we got Victor Reyes coming off the bench, you should roll your eyes because that's not that's not a move that gets you anywhere closer to winning a championship or even winning a division. No, no, not not at all. He's a depth piece, and and if and okay as a depth piece. I mean, you know, if you if he's your fourth outfielder, I guess that's you know that's fine enough. Um, but he, he reminds me of like a couple of years back when they had Nick Williams. The Phillies had plotted on having a, a you know as 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 their future had one good year in the majors. It wasn't a great year, but it was a good year, and then fell apart. And that's what Victor Reyes is. He's just a guy that you know. Once upon a time, there was some prospect shine on him, and then it's kind of faded. And he just he's never really fully arrived. Those guys never really become anything, and so I don't expect anything out of him. It would be a mind-boggling thing for him to come up and at least be a replacement-level player. Like, he's going to be slightly below replacement level, and and even if he's replacement level, that's that. I guess that's a, that's, that's a good thing for a guy who fills in from time to time if he makes the Major League roster. But he to be a contributor, like somebody you're going to sit there and say, man, we're lucky we got that guy in the offseason, I'd be shocked. Uh, this episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. For bowing walls, window wells, foundation and crack repair, gutter cleaning, yard draining systems, anything to keep water out of your basement and protect your foundation, give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. Mention Socks in the Basement, you get additional money off. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. You know, it, it occurs to me, though, too, as Sox fans, we should be really okay with Rick Hahn handing out a bunch of minor league contracts and just seeing if he can catch lightning in a bottle, right? Seeing if anybody could stick something. Why? Are we the Pirates you, you now? Know, that's how they've been operating well, the last no, five years. No, but 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 that's how you can build a bench on a budget very easily, <laughs> right? I guess. Just throw a bunch of junk at the wall and hope something happens? I mean, the Cueto signing made sense, right? Like, that's the thing. When I think of minor league deals, like when I look at one, I go, well, that might make sense. That guy's got some upside. If you look at his career and you look at his injuries and you look at how long it normally would take a guy who's in his mid-30s to come back from the last one that he had, he may still have something in the tank. That's a great minor league signing. I was in love with that signing the moment that they made it. The, the Victor Reyes thing, I go, eh. I mean, and, he, and and the White Sox are so bad in terms of their depth right now that immediately Jason Martinez, who was on the last episode of Socks in the Basement, you can get it on demand uh, anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Uh, he, he immediately added Victor Reyes into the 26-man roster on the fan graphs projected depth charts. That's how bad it is right now. Well, yeah, and that's that's bad. That That is bad. And you're trying to sit there and convince me that White Sox fans should be throwing down their money right now, renewing their season tickets, and it's all our fault that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf can't spend any more money. Bruce Levine put his foot in his mouth this weekend, uh, and I heard the full thing, and it wasn't as harsh as like, well, White Sox fans didn't show up, so that's why he can't spend any money. But that was basically what was thrown out there, the idea that attendance uh, needs to increase for the owner to spend money. And there's a lot of holes you can fire into that. That is, that is a, a fallacy right off the bat. The idea that you, the fan, has to go out and spend the money so the billionaire can turn around and actually uh, spend money on his on his end. And I'll, I'm going to go back to something that we've discussed here on this show as a basis here as we jump into this little bit of a conversation. The book Scorecasting. It came out, I want to say, 2010, 2011. Uh, it, it talks about different things that happen in, in all of sports, home field advantage, why do umpires miss calls in certain situations, uh, anything you could think of. They try to take data that they had 
picked up over decades and analyze it and try to figure out are there trends, are there things that can explain the unexplainable in sports. And it's actually available online. You can actually just Google scorecasting and it pops up as a PDF. Like the entire book is like free, which I think is amazing. I have a copy of it, but it's it, you can get the entire book for free if you just Google the thing. So if you want to check this out later, feel free. You can dive into this a little deeper. The last chapter talks really about the curse of the Cubs. It was written before the Cubs had broken their supposed curse. And it talked about whether or not luck has anything to do with winning and losing in Major League Baseball. That was the premise of it. And very quickly, what they start to explain is it's more about the product on the field. And are the Cubs at that time motivated to put a winner out there? And it shows that the most fickle fan base in all of baseball is the New York Yankees. And the least fickle fan base in all of baseball is the Chicago Cubs. And one of the examples very quickly in in this book, in this article, is talking about reaction after the strike in the 90s. They bring in in the book the White Sox. They bring them into the conversation at this point, pointing out that the White Sox are second, second most fickle fan base, the most comparable to the New York Yankees fan base. Basically, if you win, they'll show up. And if you don't win, they got better things to do. And that's what White Sox fans are. And they they point that out and they go, we could compare the Cubs to the Yankees, but it's more fun to compare the White Sox to the Cubs because the fan base of the Sox is very similar to the Yankees. And that's the point that's made in the book. So going into the strike in the 90s, where, and we talked about this on the last show when we talked about the generations of White Sox fans, going into the strike in the 90s, the Cubs are at 81% attendance and the Sox are at 72. 72% is not bad. That's almost three quarters of your stadium full every game. Like on average, that's what you're averaging, Jerry Reinsdorf, which is also shocking because there you have a lot of attendance and a lot of Sox fans from back then, me included, feel like the owner just wouldn't pull the trigger to get that one more move done to try to win a championship because he wasn't going to spend the money. But he was getting attendance at the time. Well, then the strike happens. And Jerry's one of the guys on the owner's side that it's clear is driving the ownership side of this strike. So a lot of fans are blaming him. When it's over, Cub fans return. Sox fans dip below 50% attendance. And right there, they try to make the point of it wasn't because the Cubs had a winner. Cub fans just like going for the experience. If you raise ticket prices for Cub fans, they don't care. In fact, the only thing they seem to care about in this article was beer prices. The moment you started to impede on their party, that's when they would it would hurt attendance. So the Cubs had habitually kept beer prices down like they had figured this out. And they knew as long as they kept beer prices down, it didn't matter whether or not they put a winner on the field because they were always going to have high attendance. Meanwhile, White Sox fans, by comparison, when they're breaking down all this stuff, they react to whether or not you win or if you lose on the field. They react to whether or not they think that you're trying to win baseball games. Should they invest themselves into the team because you've invested into the team? Now, this is data that is collected over decades that's inside of this book that breaks this down. And it's amazing to me that an owner that's been around for 40 plus years doesn't understand his team as well as these two authors or pretty much any basic White Sox fan. In the chicken or the egg scenario, you got to spend first and put a winner on the field. Not only do you have to spend, but you got to put a winner on the field, right? Before we're going to show up and spend money to buy tickets. And this tired act of, well, if they don't spend, we can't get another free agent or we can't be active. That's a bunch of garbage. And Sox fans have rejected it decade over decade, generation over generation. It's a tired dance between ownership and fan in which this fan base refuses to be fooled by that. <laughs> 
Before my partner in crime over here at the other end of the nine foot homemade oak bar jumps in on this and I see him looking up White Sox attendance numbers and payroll numbers on his computer. Switch to a new age of life with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Whether you have suffered an injury or you're not getting around the house very well or you're worried about mom and dad, grandma and grandpa keeping them out of assisted living, you can set up the home like a smart home. You can make sure that the fall risk is reduced greatly with ways that they can retrofit the bathtubs and set up a around the house to keep them upright it's all about staying independent and in the home plus the latest in CPAP technology if you have sleep apnea they have the latest machines and testing rooms to make sure you get the most out of your machine the latest in diabetes control as well improve your quality of life and visit Hyatt Home Medical Equipment right here on the south side they're going to work with your insurance and they're going to take additional money off if you mention socks in the basement See everything they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in and see them today. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. All right, so what are you coming up with down there when it comes to attendance and uh, salary and all of that kind of coming together over the history of the White Sox? The payroll doesn't necessarily go up every time attendance is high. It, it, it fluctuates. There's some back and forth. There's some up and down. There's some plateauing there as the team is kind of what it is, right? So, you know, your point about leading up to the strike, attendance is really high in 92 and 93. You know, the 94, it's shortened, so what are you going to do? Payroll is kind of the same across those three years. It's not, it, it doesn't jump up as they go from, uh, you know, having a good year in 91 at 87 and 75, coming off of 1990 when they were 94 and 68. You know, attendance is going up, Right. The 1990 White Sox, 94 and 68, finished in second place. Attendance is a little over 2 million. The next year, it's just under 3 million because you're coming off of a 94 win season. In 91, you're 87 and 75, you finished second. The next year for 1992, it's 2.6 million. Uh, following a successful 92 campaign or at least a winning campaign. I would imagine 06 is higher than 05 without looking at it because you have it in front of you. Yeah, and 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 so in 93 it's 2.5 million and then it falls off because of the strike. 1.9 million in 2003, 1.9 million in 2004. In 2005 it's 2.3 million. 2006 it's 2.975. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Let me let me get this straight. So if they have a winning season and there's promise for the next year, more people buy season tickets and more people show up. That's that's how it works. That's the cause and effect when dealing with White Sox fans? And that's that's more of a correlation. So, yes, the payroll did go up between 2005 and 2006. However, it didn't really go up that much between 2004 and 2005 when attendance, you know, started starts its spike. And when you go back into the 90s, the payroll is fairly flat. And then you get into this, you know, this this more recent memory where uh, even the 2011 Sox, they're they're – not great, right? It's two million. The next year, there's not a whole lot of drop. It's a drop of about 430 people a, a game. The payroll lowers. The payroll goes lower in 13, and then it goes lower in 14. And meanwhile, the the, the attendance is mirroring the the Sox record more than anything else, because attendance is dropping. We're getting into the rebuild, and the, the team is terrible, right? So yeah, people aren't showing up. But we showed up last year, and and that's the infuriating thing is, is that as fans. It's the first time over 2 million in attendance last year was the first time going over 2 million since 2011. And the payroll is going to drop this coming year. So 
you want us to what buy more season tickets and that's going to prove that there's not going to be a fall off here after an 81 and 81 year. I think Jerry maybe does understand. And that's why you're hearing this is, is that, you know, they do understand that the team needs to be responsive in the wins and loss column because that's what drives it. I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a potential uh, setup for the thousand dollar guest bounty. It's been a weird off season when it comes to booking people that may be major league baseball players during the lockout last year. It was a lot easier uh, because they had nothing else to do and they couldn't be around team facilities and they didn't have to ask permission. <laughs> that was the other thing. Right. Yeah. There's no permission because I don't work for you. Technically, if you're not allowed to talk to the team, you don't have to listen to them and say, we don't like that podcast. So it was much easier for us to work it out. I do think we've got a few that are in the pipeline and we've gotten some really good suggestions. I'm looking for more of the non-baseball ones. Seriously, uh, don't feel like that you don't have somebody that is worthwhile to be a guest in the $1,000 guest bounty. Best guest of the offseason is getting $1,000 from Parente and Norum. Get those people in because I think we're going to see a run of them in January and February here on this show. It's been it's been a weird setup this year. I know we've only had one so far, but it's almost like you can see them all stacking up and we're going to just be like going through them like crazy in January and February. Well, that's that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, let's bring us somebody interesting. Entertain me. Right. We need something. It's either. I mean, look, here's the deal. We're willing to give you a grand if we could talk about anything other than how Jerry's cheap. The team doesn't treat its fans right. The budget's all screwed up. Rick Hahn's a bad general manager. I mean, there's just so many things that we we would really rather talk about something else. <laughs> so this would be a nice break, yeah, just, and we're willing to pay you $1,000 for that break. It's $1,000 for us to feel better about life is really right. what it is. <laughs> I'd rather spend $1,000 on just getting a break from the White Sox BS than spend it on tickets. <laughs> Yeah, but what's your experience? <laughs> and I'm still going to go to games. Here's the thing. I'm still going to go to games. I'm still going to walk in the door and put my hard-earned money down a couple times this year. I'm going to spend it on less. Like, that's the thing. I find myself doing less. Like, like the, I, I already started my protest last year. I mean, think about this. The, they talk about the attendance last year, and it was high. Imagine what it would have been like if Sox fans weren't convinced before the All-Star break you couldn't win with Tony La Russa. I mean, I would add, a, I would add easily a half million more in attendance. Easily, if that team was competitive last year. Okay, a lot. There were a lot of no shows for season tickets in the second half of the season. There are a lot of people. There was they were getting nothing at the gate. I would love to see that broken down month by month, and if they were actually winning, what what the projection would have been. So again, I mean, not only did they do well last year, but they would have done so much better if he wouldn't have put his buddy in as manager. If, if Jerry wouldn't have thrown his buddy in there as the manager, and then instead of replacing him midway through the season, if they would have made the replacement earlier, they would have had higher attendance. They would have made more money at the ballpark. And, and, the, and going back to the experience, why, why would I spend money chasing around the ballpark, getting told, no, you can't come to this level, or we're out of this item that you saw us promote that we're selling there, when I can walk over and, and get a better price and a better product over at Cork and Carry at the park down the street. I'm somebody that sits around and, and like, I have to check my my money, and I've got I've to look at, like, you know, our budget. I check my budget in my household, like, four times a month, all right? So I'm going to get the most out of my money. I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. The socks aren't offering that right now, you know? I mean, I'm willing to spend money if I feel like I'm going to get that joy of a good team. Because otherwise, what am I what am I what am I spending my money on that for when I could spend my money on something else? And I'm not alone. I I, I think that I'm in the majority of Sox fans with that with that feeling. That's why attendance dips. That's why you have people that aren't renewing their tickets. There doesn't seem to be an understanding of that. You can't win this fan base 
without putting in an effort. We talked about this last week when we talked about the generations of White Sox fans. People loved Bill Veck and John Allen because they understood that he didn't, they didn't have a lot of money, but they were trying their hardest, right? And people look at this guy and go, he's rich. He's got $1.8 billion net worth. I can Google it. It takes two seconds for it to pop up. Spend some money, cheapo. And that's how they feel. And they, and they really react poorly when anybody whether it be the team, because I've heard Kenny Williams mention it before. I mean, if you've been around the White Sox long enough, it's actually come straight from the front office. Well, we'd be able to make more moves if more people were in the seats. We've heard that before. We've heard variations of that. Or it's somebody like Bruce Levine, who clearly, you know, this is how he does his job. He gets his information from certain sources within teams. Those sources tell him what they what their company line is, and he spews that thing right out on the radio. Okay, but it's it's insulting to the fan base. It's insulting to the people that that are paying money for your team. It it doesn't do you any good. I mean, I feel like the whole idea was this week to try to guilt people who are on the fence about season tickets. Well, if you don't if you don't re up that package, well, we're just going to be worse. Is that a threat? Do you think Southsiders take threats well? <laughs> oh yeah, that that works out real well. <laughs> well a, but here's the thing: they want to talk about what the experience is. Okay, well, how about the experience? Parking's terrible. Traffic's awful. You took the banners down in the outfield and you painted them on the brick because you're too cheap to buy new banners after you win a division. Can't get a pretzel brat. None of that matters. See, and that's the problem is even even you and I, as we're talking, we're caught up in this minutia of is the ballpark good enough? Is the food good enough? Do you get enough bang for your buck for the beers that you buy, for the dollars that you spend? That That's not what the experiences that White Sox fans care about. Yeah, I want to win. We care about the sheer, the shared experience, okay? The sharing of the thrill of victory. When have White Sox fans been the most, like, in love with each other as a group? When Scott Pesednik walked off game two, right? That, 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 that moment had to be one of the moments of in recent memory of just pure right. unadulterated... Right. Joy amongst White Sox fans where it didn't matter. Nuns were hugging biker chicks in the crowd. Like it was it all was, of a sudden. I, it was like that moment. Literally. Literally. Any <laughs> you could have had take take two mortal enemies and they would have at least given each other a good solid, like a legit high five. Right. Not like one of those like half assed like mom made you shake hands. No, no, no. It was a good one. Like it stung a little bit on the palm. It was that kind of a, a high five. The White Sox want to ask what our experience is or what experience we look forward to the most. We want to turn to the guy next to us and we want to be able to celebrate something that just happened on the field. We want to be able to talk. We don't want to know the players because we're never going to know the players. We know better. We're never going to be friends with these guys. But we want to be able to talk about how good they are, right? And we want to be excited when they come up to the plate. We want to be excited by a guy like Aloy Jimenez coming up to the plate because we know it means something. That's the shared experience that we're talking about. And it's lost when you get into, well, what do you think about bacon-wrapped burgers? You know, I don't care. Your bacon's probably <laughs> going to be crappy anyway. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, like, seriously, half the time I, half the time you don't have it, and the other half of the time when I get it, I go, well, this is underwhelming for all that money. I'm yeah, not buying it's, that it's, it's again. It's not, like, not great. I mean, yes, everything's better in bacon, but, but, I, you know. Win baseball games. I go to a ballpark. I drink whatever beer is handy. Fine. Bud Light. I never drink Bud Light. Yeah, fine. Bud Light. It, 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 whatever. It's there. It's cold. It's a baseball game. I don't I don't care. I mean, I love, you know, the fact that you're, you offer craft beers, but you get wrapped up in the minutia of is the parking good enough? Are the seats comfortable enough? Are, you know, are the ushers attractive enough? I don't care. It, none of it matters. You have attractive ushers? 
I don't have no, I've never punches. had attractive. But give me an usher that like punches me in the face after they check my ticket. But if we right. win, right. I'm a happy man with a black right. eye. Right. Bring back Andy the Clown and the only side dish that's available is chips. And I'm fine as long as you have a winner. That's all I care about. Hailstorm Brewing is the official brewery of Socks in the Basement and the best beer hall that you can walk into anywhere. That's what I would describe it as. A big, giant beer hall. It's got live music on the weekends. There's good food. An extensive beer menu. You see the brewers off to the side making their next creation. And the creations they have right now are spectacular. It's definitely stout season at Hailstorm Brewing Company. Like, I'm a stout guy. The 2022 Vlad Chocolate and Vanilla Blend, 12.1%. Amazing. But my dad just likes hotel life. He's a guy who generally drinks like Miller Lite. But every time I'm telling him I'm going to Hailstorm in Tinley, he's like, I'm coming along. And he just sits there and drinks hotel life. An American lager, it's definitely something to try out. Get in and see them right now. 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Visit the official brewery of Socks in the Basement, Hailstorm Brewing Company, and see everything they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. Let, let's talk about, before we get out of here, um, Tim Anderson on the internet. Because you, you, you've oh seen this gosh. now going around. People are taking screenshots of the fact that he liked something on Twitter and there's been a reaction to it. He needs to stay off social media. Okay. I mean, he really with all of his does. family drama, like sprayed across Instagram and the comments that he makes, like, he's like that guy that tries to get attention on Facebook. Like we all have that one friend who like writes like something cryptic just because he wants people to reach out and say, you okay. And I think he does that on Twitter. Like he writes something cryptic when he's having a bad day Yeah, because he needs people to reach out and say, you good. You okay, Tim? I love you, Tim. Don't leave us, Tim. You're my favorite player, Tim. He's like that guy. Like, I have a friend of mine that's like that. Like, he's having a bad day, and he just writes things like, I'm just trying to process my life right now. And, like, that means nothing to me. And, and you see all these people, like, jump in the comments like, you okay, man? You're, you're going to be okay? It's just an attention grab. Like, the guy does it all the time, and Tim does it all the time. Right? And so now he liked a tweet. What, what did it say? The, the tweet was basically like, we've seen Jose Abreu in another uniform. We'll see T.A. in another uniform. Yeah, but the thing is, he's not happy. I think that's really obvious that he's not happy, folks. I mean, could you be happy? Yeah. for If you were standing at short and you won a batting title and you were the engine that made the car go and you had had all these huge moments like the, the walk-off in, in the Field of Dreams game and you're driving all of the marketing for the team and the Southside jersey is something, I, if I'm not mistaken, he helped come up with and, and you, are, you are it. You're, like, you're the team leader, you're everything and you're standing it short and you're stuck in some option years where like this year he's making $12 million and the guy right next to you at third base the biggest accomplishment he's had in the last two years is that he he wrote his own walk-up song, right? And he's got a music video to go with it because he hasn't done anything else. And he's making far more money than you. He's going to make even more money over the next couple of years than you. I mean, like more than double than what you're making. And he's terrible. And he's given every opportunity by the organization. And the new manager is talking about how we're going to get him going. Like, of course he's upset. Like, I don't know anybody that wouldn't be upset about that. Like, if you had a coworker who always was terrible, he was getting paid more than twice at you, and you shared a cubicle with him, and, and the boss was always talking about, we got to get you on going, you'd be upset. So I get why he liked it. I mean, I, I don't know if that means he's leaving, 
But here's a guy who probably wants to get paid. And trust me, he, Jerry Rice is not the only only owner that feels this way. But we all saw him talk about it during that Bulls dynasty like documentary that came out where he was basically like, I told Scotty not to sign that contract. It wasn't my fault he wasn't getting paid. He signed the contract. Like it, he probably would give the same response to Tim if Tim knocked on his door, which he might have done at this point. So it's it's a thing. I think it's a real thing. I think that there's a Tim Anderson like I mean, look, I don't think that he's going to purposely like play badly. In fact, he should play great so he can max out his value right. so that when he finally gets out from underneath this, he can really get money like these guys that he's watching that are his peers that are getting paid. He should be so motivated to be so good over the next couple of years. Then when he walks out, somebody's like, I don't care what your age is. Here's six years and like two hundred million dollars. Like that's what like he's like one of these guys that has to be looking at that saying, I got to get done with this and this team is never going to pay me that. All right. So I get why he liked it. It, That's the reality of Tim Anderson right now. It's one of the reasons why I sat there and said, look, if you if you really want to improve your team and you're going to spend like a big boy team. And I wasn't the only one who said it on this show. I saw national people saying it when they were talking about the White Sox and they they didn't have the understanding of what the Sox are going to do payroll wise. But they were like, you know, it would make sense, like, you know, for the Sox maybe to move T.A. and go get one of these big shortstops that are a little bit better defensively and hit, you know, they, they may not have the, the the average, but the power goes up. They might have a higher OPS. Go get like one of those big guys and, and look at the return you get for this affordable contract. It's why teams inquired about him during the winter meetings, because there was a semblance of sense that could have been made if the Sox were going in a different direction. And they were like, hey, we could go be in the derby for these big time players and look what we could get back for Anderson. Now, the Sox aren't interested in it, and I'm not advocating for it. But I mean, like, that's the reality of Tim Anderson right now. He's got a very team friendly deal, and he probably isn't happy when he looks around the field at what other guys are getting paid. No, and and that's that's just going to be the reality for a team that if they're going to continue to operate with team friendly contracts through through guys arbitration years and trying to maximize what you get per dollar out of your young players. If you're going to operate like that, then as fans, we have to recognize, we have got to recognize the fact that when it comes their time to hit that free agent market, if they are really good, they are not going to come here because they are not going to get that kind of money. Carlos Rodon, I'm sure, has some lovely memories of being a White Sox. However, There is not a chance that the mystery team that's in on Carlos Rodon is the White Sox unless he's taking way less money than somebody else is going to give him, right? So just, I'm not, I don't begrudge TA, I don't begrudge any of the White Sox players when they hit free agency, if they just say, thanks guys, it's been a a blast, but I'm going to go get paid somewhere else because it just isn't happening here. Sox in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.